Hello, this is Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. What's in a name? If your name is Barry, it was derived from old French usage and indicates one who is a dweller at the barrier or rampart. If you happen to be a sergeant, your rank originated with the trained soldiers of the feudal period, those known as the Lord's Servants or Servant, which became sergeants. Sergeants then as now were relied upon heavily as leaders of men. What's in a name? Plenty. Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Tallulah Bankhead, Richard Easton, Phil Foster, Joe Frisco, Peter Laurie, Ethel Merman, Shepard Strudwick, and Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. The Big Show was a popular Sunday evening feature on NBC Radio during the 1950-51 season, and it starred one of the great personalities of all time, the late Tallulah Bankhead. The National Broadcasting Company presents The Big Show, and starring the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. For the next hour and 30 minutes, you'll be entertained by some of the biggest names in show business. Such bright stars as... Richard Easton. Bill Foster. Joe Frisco. Peter Laurie. Ethel Merman. Shepard Strutley. Meredith Wilson. And my name, darlings, is Tallulah Bankhead. members of our cast on a personal basis, and what better way to learn how great they are than from their own lips. So I've asked them to prepare brief outlines of their careers in show business. Those who could write turned in the following little masterpieces. Uh, Phil Foster, for instance. Foster Phil. Born 1919, Brooklyn. Died 1951, Polo Grounds. Ah. <laughs> goody, goody. <laughs> Cause of death, Ralph Brancitis. <laughs> As a kid, I was very tough When I was six years old, my mother and father ran away from home <laughs> I started out in show business as an assistant to a magician There was three of us in the act The magician, a girl, and me One night, the magician got sick, and I took his place After that, there were four of us in the act The magician, me, and the girl I saw it in half <laughs> Okay, Foster, disappear and next we hear a little about the life and struggle of Richard Eastham. Eastham Richard, singer, began in show business as a spear carrier in Medea, starring Judith Anderson. One night my spear dipped and I caught her right in the middle of the second act. <laughs> Miss Anderson never reached greater heights. <laughs> then I became understudy to Ezio Pinza in South Pacific, but Mr. Pinza enjoyed good health for six solid weeks. Then one day he became indisposed and I went on in his place. 
The applause and acclaim I received was well worth the $2 I spent for his Mickey Finn. And to think I've been drinking the coffee that boy's been handing me all afternoon. I hope this pain in my side is only appendicitis. All right, now let's see who's next. Oh, yes, a newcomer to the theater, Ethel Merman. Merman, Ethel. After high school, I attended secretarial school where I studied dictation, typing, bookkeeping, and wrestling. <laughs> on my first job as a stenographer, I was invited to a party on Long Island. They asked me to sing, and a producer heard me. He was sitting in his office on 42nd Street at the time. <laughs> Since then, some of the shows I've been in have included Girl Crazy, Anything Goes, Panama Hattie, Annie Get Your Gun, Little Foxes, and Call Me Matt. <laughs> Little Foxes? I just wanted to see if you ever listen while somebody else is talking. <laughs> I always listen when she's talking. The only time I don't listen is when she's singing. Well, now we hear from a gentleman who is known in show business as the comedian's comedian, Mr. Joe Frisco. Uh, Frisco Joe. Uh, I started in show business uh, rather late in life because as a child, I started a little. I played vaudeville a long time, and then I went into the radio as the announcer. They fired me. I was too, uh, uh, short. <laughs> I been out in Hollywood, and I didn't intend to come to New York. But I was down at the depot seeing a friend off, and before I could finish saying goodbye, the train and pulled into the grandstand. <laughs> but for some years now, I've been making a living... Betting. B -b Betting, yeah. <laughs> well, you can that live, too. Oh, brother, not with Betting. you, I don't dare. I, 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 I'll bet on anything. What is the odds I uh, don't f -f -f finish the show? <laughs> <laughs> darling, if this were a half-hour show, we could never use you, darling, Joe Frisco. Well, our next guest is the talented Broadway actor, Shepard Strudwick. Strudwick Shepard, or Shepard Strudwick. I never know which comes first. Actor in the legitimate theater and very proud of my profession. Miss Bankhead offered me a good salary to appear on the big show, and I accepted. I'm, I'm not that proud. I've appeared, I've appeared in many motion pictures. They're at that in-between age. Too old to be shown in theaters, too young to be shown on television. Shepard, I'll never understand why actors pick such odd first names. Well, next we hear from our guest, Mr. Peter Laurie. Laurie, Peter. I started my career in a theater as a romantic actor, but against my will, they put me into horror pictures. I always want to be the actor who got the girl, but in my pictures, by the time I get the girl, she's dead. <laughs> well, I've struggled to get away from playing with monsters, but I guess it is my fate, because here I am today with Tallulah Banker. <laughs> Well, that's my fault. I'm just going to have to enunciate more clearly. I distinctly told them to get me Peter Lawford. <laughs> Our own Meredith Wilson is one of the most versatile artists ever to appear on the big show. He not only composes music, writes lyrics, conducts our music, has a television show, has another radio show, 
but also finds time to write a novel. Meredith has written a book which is fast climbing into the bestseller class. Tonight it is our pleasure to present a dramatization of a part of that novel, and we were fortunate to secure Shepard Strudwick from the smash Bulba success Affairs of State. And so, without further ado, <coughs> here are scenes from Meredith Wilson's new novel, with the most intriguing title I've ever heard, Who Did What to Fidelia? Starring Shepard Strudwick as Uxbury. <laughs> Who did what to Fidelia? Well, we are three who did. Spot Collis with his Broadway glibness and wisecracking cynicism. Then there's his sister, Florabelle, a diamond-hard blonde so sure of a way around Park Avenue. And then there's me, Wixbury. Adelbert Wixbury, obnoxiously egotistical, sadistic, radio executive Wixbury. But our story begins in this case at the end. For Fidelia's missing, and there's a wake of sorts being held in Florabelle's flower shop. It's time I was getting over there, for I, more than any of them, have reason to find Fidelia. Hello, Spart. What are you doing up and about? The sun's still shining. Hi, sis. I got to talk to you. I'll make it fast. Got to get this arrangement over the Waldorf. Big order. Banquet piece. Money in the till, you know. Cut it out, Florabelle. I have things on my mind. You need a few bucks, boy? No, I've got to find Fidelia. Oh? She's gone. Do you know that? Yes. You know why? Wixbury flunked her on her audition. I warned him, and this is it. When I see him, I'm going to beat his brains out. Relax. Take it easy. You beat him up once. Let it go at that. Getting wicks won't ease your conscience. Well, what do you mean? He... Well, never mind for now. Here he comes. Florabelle, where's Fidelia? What's happened to her? I've got to find her. You already found her. Spart. All right, don't fight back. I'm not choosing. Spart Collis, if you hit him again, I'll turn you into the cops, so help me. It's okay. I, I wish he'd knock me out. I couldn't feel lower. You turned the kid down on our audition, didn't you? Yes, I did, and I'm not sorry. I'm only sorry she got hurt. Oh, that's just great. What if she's gone down to the river and thrown herself in? Just because you had to play Nero in the stands and turn thumbs down. Now, hold the phone, you two. Let's not get emotional about Fidelia. All right. We met her. We learned to love her. We're somehow better people for having her pass briefly through our lives. Fidelia had something. But it wasn't talent. Now, stop spitting in each other's eyes. Do you mind if I sit down? Okay, sit down, Wixbury. If you've got anything to say, say it. Then we'll go a few more rounds. You don't understand what's happened. You see, I did hear her audition, and she was terrible. I'll tell it just the way it happened. Sit down, Miss Jern. You may want to quit when I get through what I want to say, but you're going to listen. First, I want you to understand why I've never in my life made any exceptions in the way I treat the struggling talent and so-called talent around here. Take a kid like Fidelia Parker being falsely encouraged by everybody and his brother because of her big eyes and her gold hair. Look, honey. Ever read the biography of a man named Johannes Brahms? The greatest composer of music this or any world ever saw. 
Brahms said that the way to stimulate talent is to stifle it, strangle it, choke it, ruthlessly and relentlessly. Understand? Look, there are hundreds of thousands of good kids all over the world, just like Fidelia Parker, who've got a lot of poison stardust in their eyes. Somebody has to be the doctor and take the rap. Somebody's got to be concerned enough about their future to be the villain and try to turn them out of the prof a profession in which they can be less than mediocre at the very best. And you don't ever have to worry about cutting down somebody who happens to have real talent either. The percentage who have any honest-to-God-given gift compared to those who are only stage-struck is maybe one in a million. They couldn't starve Schubert out or browbeat Handel. They couldn't break the spirit of a Schumann Heinck or carry Jacob's bond. They threw Caruso out of the chorus and they laughed at Charlie Oppen. You can't stop talent. Real talent is an express train of hurtling iron and steel and steam. You can't derail it, can't sidetrack it. Fidelia has the courage, but she hasn't talent, real talent. And all her courage and her work have been misdirected since she was a kid. She... Oh, no. Fidelia. Fidelia, how long have you been standing there? How much have you heard? Fidelia, wait! Fidelia, come back here! <laughs> Well, Spot, I didn't catch up with her. She just seemed to vanish. Must have run down the stairs and taken an elevator from another floor. I'd like to find her, you see, because I didn't want to hurt her. I'm not sorry for what I said. I just didn't want to hurt Fidelia. Okay, want to hit me again? No, I... I just want to tell you that I'm sorry for slugging you. Oh, forget it. You see, I'm something of a heel, too, where Fidelia's concerned. What time was it she ran out of your office? About two o'clock yesterday. Oh, I had a feeling it would be. Why, Spark? I ran into her. She must have just come down from Wicks's office. Now, as I remember it, she was unusually quiet, sort of uh, preoccupied. Took her into a drugstore for a cup of coffee. I didn't know what had happened in your office. I, I offered her a job as an actress. You see, I didn't even know she wanted to sing. I thought she wanted to act. Well, at least she's made us take a good look at ourselves. We'd better find a spot. I've got to find her and explain all those things she heard me say. Let's go. I've got a lot of explaining to do myself. Now, you characters, hold still and listen to me. Wicks. What makes Vidalia the most unforgettable girl you ever met? You and everyone else who's ever seen her. She's not a girl. She's a woman. No, she's not a woman. She's an angel, a child. A child angel. Oh, you're warm, Mr. W. She's a full-blown girl woman who's never lost the simple uncomplicated perspective or whatever you want to call it of a child the thing you and I and everybody else had when we were four and then lost somewhere along the way and the puzzlement of growing up in a world where the inhabitants continually say things they don't mean and act nice to people they hate and what are you trying to prove Florida only that for once Fidelia heard somebody say something honest and you want to go back over it and give her a messed up version of the same thing that won't make any sense to her at all sure she's hurt but now she understands, and she's got the courage to take it. Well, the first thing she'd do is go back to Fort Madison, Iowa, and start her life all over again. And I'll bet $40,000 she's on her way there this minute while you two stoops stand here crying over my flowers. Uh, 
I just wanted to stop off here in the office for a moment, Spot, look over the mail, then we can go on and have that drink together. Right ahead, Wicks. You know, another thing we owe Fidelia is that she's brought us together as friends. Right. But I still can't believe that she's gone. Wicksbury speaking. Who? Wants an audition. What does she look like? What? Blonde, blue eyes, lovely. Fidelia. What's her name? What? Oh. Okay. From Akron, huh? Okay, ask it away. From Akron, huh? Name of Alma something or other. Look, Wicks. Let's give her the biggest audition in town. Maybe this one's got something. If she's got real talent, we could give her a real break and kind of, well, kind of make it up to Fidelia. Now you're talking, boy. Let's put on our angel suits and strike a blow for Fidelia. Done, darling. Beautifully played Shepard Shudwick and a bow to, to Martin Blaine and Jan Minor. And to Meredith, congratulations. Your new book sounds like another bestseller. Just a minute, Tulula. What happened with that new girl that came for the audition? Maybe we ought to do a sequel to Who Did What to Fidelia. Okay, we can call it What Did Fidelia Do to Wicksbury and Scott and make them do what they did to Alma by Meredith Wilson. Boy, I'm glad you said that instead of Joe Frisco. The show would have been over. <laughs> well, if Ethel Merman and Peter Laurie will join us, here is what did Fidelia do to etc., 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 by etc. Wilson. And Meredith, darling, if you will put down your typewriter and pick up your baton, we'd like some music, if you please. Say, Wicks. Yo, Spock, what is it? This girl is waiting outside for an audition. Alma? What do we want with her? Wix, we must do it. It's for Fidelia. Well, for Fidelia. I'll listen to her. Let her in, Spock. Come in, come in. Are you Alma? No, I'm Alma's mother. This is my little girl, Alma. Say hello, Alma. Hello. Is it your daughter or your husband? <laughs> Wix, we must audition her. It's for Fidelia. For Fidelia. So you want to audition for the radio, huh? Now, come here, come here. Sit on my lap. That's it. Oh, my goodness. Well, let my daughter sit on your lap. <laughs> okay, let's get on with the radio audition. Let's hear her sing something. Yes, go on, little girl. Sing something. Come on, Alma. Sing for the gentleman. And take your hand out of your mouth. That's it. Now sing, baby. You go to my head. And you linger like a haunting refrain. Maybe you'd better put your hand back in your mouth. <laughs> and I find you spinning around in my brain. What I could do to your brain with a pair of pliers. <laughs> Her brain, even a small tweezer. Remember Fidelia. Like a bubble in a glass of champagne. I think I'll go someplace and get drunk. What are you, young 
yapping about? It's my daughter. I gotta live with her. <laughs> Go ahead, baby. You're killing him. Must it be such a slow death? You go to my hay. She's begging for it. What? It's for Fidelia. For Fidelia. Like a sip of sparkling burgundy breeze. I may join you for that drink. And I find the very mention of you like a kicker in a beautiful tree. Kicker? That's an idea. I never thought of that. <laughs> Thought that you might give a thought to my plea Cut the spell over me Spell, S-M-E-L-L And I say to myself Get a hold of yourself I could get a hold of your throat and scream But you see this never can be that's exactly what I said when the nurse brought her into me. <laughs> Go to my head with a smile that makes my temperature rise. This ain't doing my blood pressure any good either. <laughs> I've heard enough. Well, gentlemen, what do you say? And remember, you're gentlemen. Well, if you ask me... Wicks, remember Fidelia. Oh, yes, Fidelia. Well, let me put it this way. It isn't that this girl has average talent. This girl has a sort of a superior... No, not superior. A fine talent that, uh, uh, no, not fine. That's not the word. It's lousy. That's the word. <laughs> oh, but there is a place for that kind of talent, and we are just the spot. We are going to put her on radio. It'll be an hour and a half show, and there will be so many guest stars around that nobody will notice that. <laughs> That's our show for this week, darlings. Until then, may the good Lord bless and keep you whether near or far away. Meredith. May you find that long-awaited golden day today. Fill your dreams with sweet tomorrows. Never mind what might have been. May the good Lord bless and keep you until we meet again. May the good Lord bless and keep you till we meet, till we meet And God speed to our armed forces everywhere. Good night, darlings. That wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past half hour. And here's a fact from Uncle Sam's Almanac. Every day, more than 60 million papers roll off the presses of over 1,700 newspapers in the United States. No other country in the world provides as much uncensored information to its people in keeping with the democratic principle that the truth shall make you free. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service.